0: Welcome to Always Listening. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. It's not recording you, Joel. It's not supposed to, Jay. Oh. We, we record <laughs> separately. Oh, that's um, right. And and we are and we are always listening, even if we're not recording each other on our independent uh, connections. Uh, just for the record, I am using Ecamm Call Recorder and Skype, and therefore I am capturing your audio as well as a backup, Jay. That's what professional podcasters oh. do. We have backups and oh. redundancies. Um, we are we are always listening. Welcome to the show, folks. Uh, I want to uh, thank you for joining us. We try to talk every week about podcasting news and uh, give you some commentary and some context for that news. Uh, we've got a lot to get to today, and a short show, or we're going to try to have a little bit shorter show as we have both got some uh, other obligations to get to. So let's get to moving. I got the job. <laughs> well, you do. And by the way, and we still can't announce it. Technically, you know right? what really stinks, Joel, is I believe by the time the show, the goes, time live, the show be... goes
1: live there's going to be the public
0: announcement but not but we're not positive about that we're like, not, not we're scheduled. not 100% positive okay.
1: i saw i saw the draft we made some edits yeah, they and, well, we'll be
0: safe yeah. again this week, but probably by the time you're listening to this in the blog post, perhaps, <laughs> in the show notes, if if we have it by air date or airtime, uh, then you'll get the actual link to the announcement for uh, Jay's new employer. But as we mentioned last week, continue to reach out to him if you are in the sports, uh, college sports world especially, yes. uh, in particular, the big two, football and basketball, right?
1: Yep, Exactly. And, and people may have seen those posts in some of the Facebook groups. I talked with uh, some of the founders of those Facebook groups and uh, they gave me permission to reach out. And uh, quite a number of people did. And I've been talking with them. And one person actually is uh, on board with my new employer. So <laughs> there you go. That's how things work, ladies and gentlemen. You know, Jay, an
0: interesting topic that that just popped into my head, You know, I, I teased last week that in one of the upcoming episodes, we're going to talk about things to consider when you're moving your media host, which is something that I just went through with this show and, and the rest of my podcast. I, I think a topic that we might want to consider is your podcasting resume and how to quantify the experience that you have running your own show, running friend shows, beginning to produce for other people, all those sorts of things, and how you can really lay that out in a professional way for people who want to move into the industry. I mean, you come from radio, obviously, and so it's a little bit different for you and your your search for a new employer here. You had some very specific requirements that you were looking for, but I, I hear all the time about people that are tangentially connected to the media industry, maybe. And podcasting has been their new creative outlet. And they're like, man, I'd love to make that my job. And they see these posts more and more often. Hey, or if you're in LA, if you're in New York, if you're in Chicago, we've got these podcast producing jobs, full-time jobs sometimes where you can work for one company. Yep. Um, how do you put your stuff together to apply for that? That's something we ought to talk about in the future, Jay. Let's put that on the uh, to-do list.
1: Put it on the wheel. Oh that's wait, that's a, a different real- podcast.
0: Sorry. <laughs> uh, I want to remind everybody that Podfest speakers submissions are open. The link is in the show notes again. Uh, I, I, again, I think a lot of our audience is exactly the sort of people that Podfest is looking for to speak. Particularly if you're a person of color, if you're a woman, uh, if if you're uh, young uh, or very old. Honestly, if you're somebody who is not like me and Jay. Mm. <laughs> Very frankly, the demographics that Jay and I represent are pretty well represented in podcasting, and we want to hear those voices that are a little different. So check that Google form out if you've got a great idea, a great topic to submit. I submitted mine like day one, Jay. I've got uh, something that I think is pretty interesting uh, referencing this show, as a matter of fact, and I'm hopeful that I'll get an opportunity to share that with folks. That's coming up in March, by the way. March uh, 6th through the 8th is the actual event itself, so get your submissions in right away. I did some writing this week, Jay, and I want to writing. talk about it for a minute. Uh, I've got a blog pro services.com slash blog. You can check out, um, I, I don't write very regularly there, but every now and again, I've got a topic that hits me. And this week I had a really interesting thing happen at church actually. Oh. Uh, so my pastor is a woman by the name of Leslie Stevens. She's fantastic. She's been my pastor for about five years now. Uh, we go to a, um, United Methodist church here in Ruston. And, uh, She's in, a, she just started a new sermon series called What Happened to the Third Verse. And the idea is that there are these pieces. And the concept there is like, <laughs> I don't know how often you go to church, Jay, but a lot of times when we're Never. singing worship songs, when we're singing worship songs, we sing the first verse, the second verse, and the fourth verse. But just like for time, you skip that third verse a lot. The third verse gets picked on very, very often in hymnals. It's just, that's a thing.
1: Is there and, no and, content in that verse? Is that what so, it
0: is? No, there is. There's always content. There's not. There's nothing wrong with the third verse, and it's not like many times the fourth verse is not necessarily like an ending or a conclusion. You would think, well, you've got to, you've got to read the ending, but it's not like that. It's not like a narrative all the time. So I, I don't know why we skip the third verse, but we do. So that's where that title comes from. But the idea for the sermon series is going and finding little verses in the Bible. That You just don't hear very much talked about that you've never heard a sermon on or you've hardly ever heard a sermon on. And in particular, this first uh, sermon was on the story of Shagmar from the book of Judges. So uh, Shagmar has exactly two verses written about him in the entire Bible.
1: Is it Uh, Shagmar or Shamgar?
0: Uh, You know what? It's Shamgar. You're right. It is Shamgar. Yeah, I was
1: just reading your article. I was just reading it. I I so I got it right in the article. I got it
0: wrong in the in the show notes. Look at that. It's Shamgar. Um, yeah, Shamgar is a better name anyway. Shagmar is is, sounds like a Popeye villain. (laughs) So you shag baby. (laughs) I'm so glad you told me that. By the way, I'm so glad you corrected me. Thank you. Um, Shamgar was in the book of Judges. He's got two verses written about him. Uh, one verse references the fact that during his time, the land was very troubled and uh, people stayed off the highways and travelers, like the the caravan stopped running, the the trade routes stopped and everything because there were so many bandits, theoretically. Uh, and then the other verse says that he came after this other guy. He was the son of Anath. Uh, he used an ox goad to kill 600 Philistines and he also saved Israel. <laughs> and right. that's it. It's all that's said about him in the entire Bible. So what what is an ox code? First of all, an ox code is like, it's something that you would use. It's basically like a cattle prod. It's a long pointy stick. And maybe it has a hook on the end of it as well so that you can like pull up stones and things out of the field. Uh, and then... Uh, where, like, what was the deal here? So the Philistines were an invading army effectively for the Israelites at this time. And the idea is that from time to time they would win over and then you'd have one of these quote unquote judges rise up and they would sort of push back the tide and, and bring peace to the land of Israel. And then the Philistines would come in and sort of quash them again for a while. That was the rhythm of, of the book of Judges. So what is the point of this and what does it have to do with podcasting? So there's a book actually written about Shamgar and I've got that linked in the article if you want to check it out. But the the author of that is actually the founder of the Orlando Magic which I was like, "Oh wow, I didn't know. I'd forgotten. I think I knew originally that he was connected to faith that he that he was religious and that he uh, wrote books about, you know, like motivation and stuff like that." But this is the 3 success secrets of Shamgar is the name of the book, I believe. And the, the idea is that he started where he was, he used what he had and he did what he could. So like 600 Philistines is a lot maybe, (laughs) but it's not as much as Samson, right? Like Samson killed a thousand with a jawbone supposedly. And then also he pulled the building down. Like Samson is a hero that basically, but even if you don't go to church, you know, the story of Samson, maybe Sham Shamgar you've never heard of. Never heard uh, of Shamgar. And yet, and yet, the end of that verse says he also saved Israel, right? So the idea is that he started where he was, he used what he had, the ox goad, because he was a farmer, and he did what he could. 600 was all he could do. He brought a little piece to his little region and his little neck of the woods. So... That I could, <laughs> right, I, could, I could only kill 600. Right. I could only kill 600. So that just hit me for some reason. Those three ideas really, really hit me sitting there in the pew Sunday. And I was like, man, we talk all the time about this like hesitation for people starting their podcast. And everybody thinks, oh, I got to spend, you know, I got to buy that Roadcaster Pro jay i gotta spend 600 bucks on on that or i gotta have an h6 or i gotta have a Shure sm7 when i started okay i started podcasting out of the radio station that i worked in and one of the reasons why i hadn't moved home for forever was because at the radio station i had the Shure sm7bs and i was like well i won't sound the same if i record at home and that's true I don't, I'm recording on an ATR 2100 now. I don't sound like I do on a Shure SM7B. That is absolutely true. There is a difference between those mics. Is it a $200 and 50, Is it a $250 difference? And I would argue it's not. Um, I think the ATR 2100 sounds perfectly clear. I've done audio books on this. I've done commercial voice work on this. I've done uh, a ton of podcasting on this. My point is we can all take a lesson from Shamgar. I'm so glad <laughs> you told me it wasn't Shagmar. We you did miss You Shamgar. did you did
1: you did uh, flip it again at one point in your uh, Did I in, in the article writing? I got to go yeah. back and f-
0: I got to go fix my typos.
1: You refer to uh, him as Shaggy too.
0: Shaggy, I did refer to him as Shaggy, you're right. Should be Shammy. Um, Shammy, you it's Sham Wow. It should be Shammy. Uh but we can all do that. Literally anyone that's listening to this podcast, you're doing so on a computer of some sort. It's either a laptop or a desktop. It's an iPad or a, a, you know, a galaxy tablet, or it's a smartphone. Any of those devices are capable of of being a, a podcasting device. Microphones are super cheap. I've, I've been recording a bunch the last couple of nights with my kids, Jay. And one of the things my wife keeps, she's like, oh my God, the kids are playing with the mics. I'm like, babe, those mics are $13 a piece. I don't care. Like if they break them, I'll buy some more. I use Pile PD mic 58s. So I've got them linked in that article. Those are $13 a piece XLR mics. You could buy a $100 uh, uh, USB audio interface to plug it into any of these devices, your iPad, your phone, your your computer, and you can be recording in very high quality. Honestly, Jay, you're going to beat a tremendous number of the podcasts that are already out there and producing anyway if you just do those very basic things. It's a minimal investment you don't You don't have to be an expert on anything. You're interested about a topic. You're passionate about a
1: topic. That can be what you podcast about. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. I will tell you, there was an article that came out this week about how much it costs to podcast. And they broke it down in tiers. But even at their initial tier, it could cost you... If you already own a phone, let, let's take a phone out of the, the equation. Let's take a computer out of the equation. Let's just assume you already own those items for whatever other reasons in your life you would have those those particular items. And I think most people do. It could literally cost you $0 to start a podcast. You, you could literally start right now, today, with zero investment. And it's very easy to do. And you can increase it. And and in some instances, you might want to increase that investment. I would I would dare say the most important thing, the most important tool for you to get started is a microphone, and you definitely want to get at least an average microphone. And 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 you would have better ideas to what an average microphone would have. I myself use the Blue Yeti, which, by the way, it gets a poor rap in the podcasting business. However, I dare say, if you listen to you and me on this particular podcast, you're not going to hear a huge difference between our microphones. And that's because I know how to use this thing. And that is the biggest problem. Here's, Here's where people go wrong. Here's going to be your sound test. I'm using the microphone properly at this particular point in time. It is about six inches or so away from my face. It is directed at my face in a 45 degree angle, and I'm speaking across the front of the microphone. So it's looking, staring at me. The blue uh, and the dials on the front are looking at me at a 45 degree angle. Now I'm going to turn the microphone to the way that most people would think of using it. And this is why a Blue Yeti sounds like crap, because they are now pointing the microphone as it's like a missile heading towards my face, and they're talking into the top of the microphone, and that is not how you use a Blue Yeti. By the way, on the back, you should also have the dial set so that it looks sort of like... I'm just going to say what it looks like. It looks like a butt, a butt imprint. All right? That's the that's the setting you want to have on the back when you're using the blue microphone in its proper way. And there it, you go, on so the back.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but that one has the switch so that you can turn the... Um, the pattern so
1: that you can use it as a tabletop
0: mic to capture a whole conversation?
1: Right? Correct. And I would okay. not recommend using it in that manner, but it has the ability to do that. It's just yeah. so you're still not gonna get great audio from doing it that way. No, that's the that's the problem, is that
0: people take that microphone, they don't read the manual, they don't think about it, they don't ever watch a video on YouTube. That talks about, you know, like mic technique, et cetera, et cetera, so that they learn how to use the mic properly. You're exactly right. I will say, here's the difference for me between the ATR2100 and the Yeti and the reason why I prefer the 21, especially for people like you and me. You and I both record in effectively the same setting. You are in your bedroom. Here's the glamorous behind the scenes. You're in your bedroom. I'm literally in a large closet in my daughter's bedroom. Mm. (laughs) So that's where my studio is. Both of us have effectively the same sound issues. There's fans on the air conditioning kicking on and off. Maybe there's a dog that walks by or a cat, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe even somebody, you know, on the other side of the house says something once in a while on my microphone, you effectively never hear any of those things because it is a dynamic microphone. And I use noise processing. I use that same noise processing on your side of the recording. However, Anybody who's a finely trained ear might hear a little openness, a little mm. sometimes it sounds almost like a hum, sometimes it sounds like a hiss, sometimes it just sounds like room noise. That is literally the sound of your room. You right. have a that's a condenser mic that you're using, and because of that, it's capturing more of hey, that's great for singing. It's great even for audiobook narration and things like that. It's really a higher quality microphone in many ways for capturing the full range of voice than mine is. But those are the pros and cons that you—that's the give and the take of it, right? You're going to capture more of the room noise
1: with yours than I am with mine. And to that degree, we're talking minor, right? So it's so so tiny. We're not talking about anything that's going to make a huge difference in terms when we're talking about audio quality, acceptable podcast audio quality, that would change anything. So it's again, the Blue Yeti is a perfectly great microphone. You just need to use it properly. Don't blame the tools. Blame the user. Uh, yes, that's what sir. I would say. Shamgar certainly wouldn't blame his tool because he <laughs> he used that sucker to the nth degree. He didn't say, "Lord, I can't
0: do it. I've only got this ox goad." <laughs> no, he just started poking. He's, he's
1: like, poking. he's like, man, I could have really used a cow goad, but you Stick gave me with- this ox goad instead. <laughs> Stick him with a pointy end. Hmm. Jay, you mentioned,
0: by the way, that that you could you can just start where you are, even for free. You can even set this up for literally zero uh, uh, outlay. The one that comes to mind, obviously, obviously for anybody that's listening to this, is probably Anchor, uh, now owned by Spotify. They're obviously offering free hosting as well as um, ad insertion. You can even do monetization through them. Start right away that way if that's something that you're interested in. And while I had issues with Anchor in the beginning, I still think you need to go in with eyes full, you know, fully wide open. I think you need to make sure that they're not submitting your show to directories so that you control that relationship, not them, et cetera, et cetera. That makes it easier to move in the future if you want to and need to. But – if you know what they are and if you know what to expect from them, that's a perfectly valid service. Jay, you've fallen in love with another company pretty recently. You actually sent me an email about them this morning. That's also doing free hosting. Companies called Red Circle.
1: Uh, they were founded by a bunch of former Uber app developers, uh, so they are very technological in their approach to how they're doing things. Uh, but they have such a brilliant platform. Uh, and the first thing that they start with, and it's very similar to the Captivate, is they're starting with sort of a social sharing within the app. So as soon as you sign up with them, you can also sign up to promote your podcast through other podcasts that are on the Red Circle platform. And then you can build that relationship with the other podcasters and put in uh, essentially using dynamic ad insertion type technology to create promos for these other podcasts that you can run in your show and vice versa so that you can start growing your show organically through promotions in other podcasts. Uh, which I think is just brilliant. And they just recently released an article. And of course, I already forgotten what I sent it to you about. I think it was about oh sharing on YouTube. One of the things that we learned from my uh, podcast crush, Tom Webster, is that you need to be where your listeners are. And we're learning that there are a lot of podcast listeners, especially young ones. The the non-veteran podcast listeners discovering podcasting through YouTube. And Red Circle makes it super easy to share your podcast to YouTube. Uh, they they have a whole thing where you can literally tra- basically transform your podcast into a full video on YouTube, which is great because there are other services. I'll mention the one that I currently use, Spreaker, which offers the same thing, but they cut your podcast up into 15-minute blocks, which doesn't necessarily... Help me much in promoting on YouTube because that 15 minutes could be start and end wherever. I'm not I'm not producing my content in 15 minute chunks. I'm I'm just producing my content without a time stamp in mind. So uh, you need to be wary about that. And I know Lipson offers a YouTube sharing um, on their services, and I'm sure there are others where where you and there. There are other paid services that you can get that will transform your audio into video uh, for YouTube processes. But Red Circle does it for free. You It comes with your with with your account. And by the way, their hosting is free as well. I know they'll get hammered by the big boys. Free hosting is not a business plan. Da, 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 da. I get it. I understand that. I still think Red Circle has a product that is worth investigating. And ultimately... They're probably going to get bought out by someone, quite honestly, because I think their technology is that good. Well, they're right.
0: Free is not a business model. However, the business of selling media hosting is not the only business model of podcasting either. <laughs> right. And I think you and I know that very well. So, uh, and I, I think that some of these newer players are realizing in a, in a landscape, That is dominated by a few of the big boys. Pure media hosting, played the same way that Libsyn and Blueberry do it, isn't their answer. Uh, For instance, here's something that I didn't realize when I first thought about moving over to Captivate until I was basically already there, and and then I came to fully understand it. Their model for payment is different than Libsyn's in that they don't care how many shows you run. Mm. Right? Libsyn is going to charge you per show for the stats package that you not only like how much you upload but also for the stats package that you want. Uh same thing with Blueberry. Blueberry charges you per individual show for the stats package and there's media hosting that's tied to that for the different packages as well. Uh Captivates like we don't care. Load as many as you want, all the as long as you want. The only thing that they're targeting you by or or gating you by is downloads. So if your account hits 10,000 downloads per month, I believe that's the like the first tier you have to step up to the higher hosting package but jay we've talked about it before if you're doing ten thousand downloads a month unless you got a daily show or something you're definitely at the number where you could monetize that show with some pretty nice advertising and more than take care of your hosting costs that are then increased so i think that is an interesting way to sort of like ramp up and and you can be so somebody like me that wants to host a whole network for instance Captivates a real answer for you. If you want to do one show and you want to do it with basically minimal input, um, dollar wise to start with, these hosts like Red Circle and Anchor, I think, are where you go. And then if you are diving in fully formed, if you've got a business that your podcast is going to be a part of, et cetera, et cetera, maybe you make the safe choice with a Libsyn or a Blueberry or you know one of this the sort of standards. That's the way that I see this ecosystem shaking out. I I, I feel like there are new offerings for new podcasters, the new Mm -hmm. needs of, of these people that are coming into the market now.
1: And I think there's room for everybody. There's no reason to shame a company because they don't have a business model that necessarily fits your idea of a business model. You don't need to have that sort of, there's, there's room at the table for everybody. There's room for certainly for innovation from everybody Uh, So let's bring them all to the table and talk to them. And if they're doing something wrong, um, we could argue Anchor. We don't even have to argue it. Anchor submitting your show on your behalf, while in theory sounds like a good idea. It was something that Blog Talk Radio did for quite some time. It ultimately is not in the podcaster's best interest to have that happen because then they lose control and they don't get uh, they don't get. Information sent back to them, and quite honestly, I'm in a I'm in a pickle with my own podcast because I'm not getting these emails that come from Apple, uh, and I my email address is in my RSS feed, but for whatever reason, somewhere in the databases of Apple, it still feeds at blogtalkradio.com, and so I'm not getting any sort of conversation happening with Apple. I've reached out to their support. I've had I've tried to get it fixed. Hasn't mm-hmm. happened. So I rely uh, on – I rely on the great work of James Cridlin at Pod News uh, to continue to share any of those Apple correspondences.
0: It, it's so it's so complex a question though and it's not something that I realized was so complex for a long time. But Jay, literally yesterday I got reached out to by somebody here local, a friend of a friend of a friend that said they were referred to me because they've got a podcast, a religious podcast, a nonprofit-based, uh, organizational-based podcast. Uh it's been on Podbean for a while, but she's not on Apple Podcast. She kept saying iTunes. By the way, I'm not on iTunes. I'm not on iTunes. I said, okay, well, are you on Spotify? Oh no, no. How do you get on spot? I don't know how to get on Spotify either. She has no conception of podcastconnect.apple.com. You know, like mm. she doesn't. She has no concept that there's a portal through which she's supposed to submit. The fact that Anchor. Would submit automatically her show to these different directories would be a boon to her, honestly. Right. And even if you explained it to her, she would still because I w- She was like, "I want to hire you to do this." I gave her my rate, and she goes, "Wow, I guess I'm going to have to wait." <laughs> you know, what I mean, like honestly, like I'm I was a little expensive for what she wants to do, or I'm she's going to poke around and see if she can't do it herself, basically. And she wants me to meet me for coffee and that kind of thing. But I'm like, honestly. I see I see the reason for companies to do this. I wish that they were more open and frank about what they're doing and allowed to educate you out of it effectively, right? Like you should say, "Hey, we'll submit your show to every directory if you would like us to. The reason why some professional podcasters prefer to do this themselves is X, Y, and Z. If you'd like to submit, here is the portal link." You know? It so, still wouldn't fix it, but at least it would begin the process for them.
1: There are some there are some deals. Specifically, I'm thinking of Spreaker and Spotify. Spreaker will automatically submit your show to Spotify. They automatically submit your show to iHeartRadio. You still own that feed, though. Any correspondences coming back from Spotify or iHeartRadio are going to you. They're not going to some generic email that Spreaker has created. Uh, so there are relationships that will happen with your hosting company and – you should definitely look into it before you start with any hosting company as to what exactly that relationship is. If they submit it on your behalf, are you still in control of that connection to that particular distribution point? Because you that's the important part, so that any kind of correspondences that are being sent to you from those particular distribution points – whether it's Spotify's deciding that they're going to close their doors, which I just made that up. That, that was horrible. That was a horrible example. How dare I suggest something like that might happen someday? But in any case, any sort of correspondence, Apple sends correspondence at least once a month, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, or once quarterly. I don't know. They always send something. They have a reason to send an email out at least quarterly, I know for sure. Uh, whether Whether it's whether you feel it's an important correspondence or not. Um, I mean, most recently, they sent out the email about the category changes. And right. that was an email I never saw, other than what James Cridlin shared on podnews.com. So that's, see, you should, that's an you important correspondence. I can forward them. I'll just start forwarding them to you. <laughs> Anything I get from Apple, I'll forward you a copy. Well, again, as long as James Cridlin's in business, and if you see all of his sponsors, he's going to be in business for quite some time. Uh, he is well. He is well to do, my friends. Think <laughs> if you think about it. Just look at all of the advertisers that he has. That's thirty bucks a month from each one of those advertisers. So you can quickly figure out how much James Cridlin's making from PodNews.com. He's he's doing quite well.
0: Jay, it is uh, time to tell you about a lovely sponsor for this program. Uh, we want to thank Ivy Envy for uh, sponsoring this episode. I know that the guy. Major League Baseball playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs are right around the uh, corner. They are. They're right here, Jay. Uh, The Chicago Cubs are in the middle of a fierce battle for National League Central Division. Ivy Envy has been podcasting on the Cubs for 11 seasons now. They are the longest-running Cubs podcast, in fact. And... I think, personally, they're the place to go for commentary and analysis all year long. They do a great job. They do post-game recaps. They do special events. They do all sorts of things throughout the season and into the post-season, too. If you're a fan of the Northsiders, subscribe to Ivy Envy wherever you listen to podcasts for episodes after every crucial series. Ivy Envy also does live post-game shows after every Cubs playoff game. That was one of my favorite—I'm not even that big a baseball fan— but a couple of years back when they won the World Series, watching the post-game shows leading up to the World Series actual win, like with those guys getting more like they'd come on drenched in sweat. They were all like just like haggard looking, like couldn't handle the amount of pressure and stress they were under as it got closer and closer. Are they actually going to get it done? Uh, anyway, if you're Cubby Blue through and through and hang on every pitch this time of year, listen to Ivy Envy. You can find them at ivyenvy.com. You can also find uh, not only a review of their show from years ago. Josh and I talked about it uh, on the very first season of Pod on Pod, the original version of this show. But then we also did, a, um, we did an interview with... Corey, I'm not sure if we had any of the rest of the guys on. I think it was just Corey and the two of us, but we had an interview with him uh, where we talked about the show right after we became Always Listening. So uh, there's a couple of episodes about Ivy Envy in the back catalog of this feed. Check out the link in the show notes for ivyenvy.com. And again, if you are remotely a Cubs fan, that is the show. I got to tell you, Jay, there is one downside to the Cubs doing well in the playoffs.
1: The Red Sox suck. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but, well, that's, that's,
1: I don't care about – It's definitely Broncos. a downside for that's, sure. That's not a
0: problem for me. My, here's my downside if the Cubs continue to do well. The downside is that uh, the other podcast that Corey does that I really enjoy uh, about the Golden Girls, <laughs> Let Them Eat Cheesecake, will not have new episodes probably until the, the Cubs season is over. So I'll have mm. to wait for my Golden Girls fix.
1: Um, well, when we talked about y- utilizing your resume – uh, in podcasting i mean cory is a perfect example of that because i know he also has done things with the board of education in illinois uh to so further he- his podcasting career
0: not, not just in Illinois. As a matter of fact, they, they've already purchased sponsorship on an upcoming episode. You're going to hear about uh, his business. But, yes, he's got a transition curriculum business that he started uh, based out of his educational career with his know-how in podcasting. There's a great example of taking your your podcasting you know um, credentials and taking it to a real career. Very, very good point, Jay. Absolutely. There was an interesting article about uh, some effects – Uh, of podcasting on a TV station here that we want to talk about before we uh, try to wrap things up a little bit.
1: Yeah, so uh, back at the beginning of the month, uh, there was a Detroit television personality. His name is M.L. Elric, uh, who also hosts a podcast. He got permission from the TV station, also host a podcast called Sold of of Detroit and sold, spelled S-O-U-L-D. Very, very creative, by the way. Just want to add that two cents. Uh, But in this particular podcast, he went off on the electric company, which happens to be a major sponsor of the television station that he works for. And the television station basically said, ML, you can't do that podcast anymore because of the things that he was saying on the podcast reflected on the station for which the sponsor (laughs) for which the guy, the the sponsor that he was ripping was sponsoring. This is how sponsorship works. This is, we've had this conversation, how people seem to misunderstand what advertising really is all about. Uh, This is one of those things as more and more personalities, television personalities, radio personalities start getting involved in podcasting. This is sort of the side effect that it can have. um, If you don't watch your P's and Q's. So, You need to be aware of these sort of things before you decide to just sort of openly rip uh, a potential sponsor. Um, And in this particular case, it wasn't even a sponsor of the podcast. It was a sponsor of his day job. And I can guarantee you the reason why he's doing the podcast is as extra side cash if he's even making money from the podcast, not from the day job. You got to do everything you can to protect the day job at this particular point. So you need to sort of... Understand that as you start jumping into the podcasting business that things that you say will be found. There was an SNL comedian who who just made it to Saturday Night Live who said some things that weren't quite so hunky-dory on a podcast and that got out and he's no longer working for Saturday Night Live.
0: That's exactly what I was going to reference, Jay. And I was trying to think of the guy's name, but but also I saw uh, Matthew Passy had shared on Instagram a um, an audiogram of an episode. Let's see, the episode is "Start Here" from ABC News. It's called "A Crude Awakening." I think it's today's episode. But his comment was, it seems like hiring managers may start checking old podcast episodes you were on during the vetting process via Start Here ABC. Uh, And that's exactly what they were talking about. You know, in years past, articles, if you'd written something, tweets have been a problem like this because they are so eminently searchable. Uh, Blog posts, Google lives forever, et cetera, et cetera. But interviews were different, videos and podcasts were different, they weren't as explosive. I hear it's funny. <laughs> I hear a lot of people, the sort of you know celebrity level people that I listen to. I hear them reference this often. They'll say, "If I write something, it's controversy for forever." But I've been saying that thing on a podcast for six months, and nobody ever cared <laughs> about it. And it's because it's first, first and foremost, it's in context, right? If you if you can see a clip in a blog post, you can literally take just that quote and paste it on social media or tweet it, and you don't read the whole blog post, you just see the headline or the or the word or the sentence or whatever, and that sounds explosive. Whereas in the podcast, it's in the middle of a 30-minute conversation, a 45-minute conversation. But also, a podcast is self-selecting. It's a long conversation. People who aren't really interested in you or your topic aren't going to listen. They're not going to happen by. They're not going to just like stroll by and peruse it. But a blog post They'll click through, they'll, they'll skim, they'll find something explosive, clip it out, and then, and then complain about it. Or even more likely, they'll read the headline or what somebody else wrote about it, and they'll share it and say that they're pissed off too, right? Uh, Marco Armit talks about this all the time. He says controversial things about Apple for six months on podcasts and nobody cares. He writes one blog post and the world blows up. He's on CNBC suddenly because of what Marco Armit said about, about Apple. And it's because we haven't been transcribing
1: podcasts. We haven't been transcribing videos. Guess what we're doing now? I've been talking about the three E's in podcasting for how long? And it never once got any sort of mention. And then all of a sudden, somebody else writes an article about the three E's, and it gets on literally every podcasting newsletter. I'm like, that is not a new idea. I've been literally talking about that since I started podcasting over 15 years ago. So again, goes to show the power of the written word over the power of the spoken word. However, once again, podcasting lives forever too. Uh, so there is, a, there is a record, there is an audible record that you can always go back to, but like you said, it comes in context. So in the Saturday Night Live comedian's particular situation, and I'm I certainly believe that he did not, I believe that he should have lost his job. When you listen back to the podcast, and there's video of it too, there's a different context to the words that he was using than just the words written by themselves. And if you take that into account, I can sort of be like, he's a comedian. At the same time, I believe we're at a point in our society that you just can't use homophobic or racial slurs in any context. It's just, you know, even as a comedian, if you think it's funny, and sometimes it might even be, it's just not, we're not at a point in our society where we can accept that anymore. It's unfortunate, but it's true. It's just don't use those words. Well, It's and that it's, simple. Um,
0: well, we're not, a, yeah, we're not a political podcast. I don't want to get into the how we got to that place. I do think you're, I think it is. I think you're right though. I think in the, in the end that you are right. We are in that situation where you just, you just can't do these things. But in particular, Jay, it's, it's not just a podcast anymore. It's not just a video. Google, Apple, other parties are transcribing these podcasts with machines, with robots. And because of that, more and more, everything that you've said is going to be easily available for anybody who wants it in one mm. context or another. They're going to be able to find it. Companies in particular are going to be putting your stuff through Trent if they need to or whatever to get a transcription and be able to, to troll. They're going to be looking for these slurs. They're going to be looking for controversial uh, political ideas. They're going to be looking for um, you talking bad about sponsors. <laughs> right i mean honestly that is gonna be one of the things that they're looking at it is so crazy
1: so So to this point if ml was a bigger celebrity like a joe rogan or a howard stern he wouldn't need the day job he'd be making cabillions of dollars in podcasting alone he wouldn't need to have the tv the tv job anymore and you know joe rogan uh, is already doing podcasting is probably making a cabillion dollars. I think I based on publicly available information, I figured out that he's making somewhere between a million to 10 million a month quite easily. Uh, and if he's not, he should be. And we, we had that conversation a couple, a couple of shows ago before I got the day job. Sorry, Joe, I'm no longer available unless you want to offer me a million dollars a month. Um, Howard Stern could easily make that a hundred times more Especially with a, a paid for subscription, and now you control all the content. You are the one that's the boss. So if you go and say something outlandish or whatever, you are the sole person responsible for the backlash of what you end up saying. You're not beholden to anyone other than your sponsors. Now, understand you go and you say something that's out too outrageous that all of a sudden you've got you know a group of people that are writing to your sponsor saying, how dare you sponsor a person like this? That's the one area where you're going to be in trouble. But if you're doing a subscription, if people are paying you for your content, you don't even have to worry about the sponsors anymore. And that's sort of where you get into an area where the people that could do this, Howard Stern, are really in a position of immense power in that regard.
0: The thing that blows my mind is is well, and we've talked about this before. I feel like with Stern and we'll see when this comes up when this expires in December 2020, if he does not jump to independence. I'm saying it here and Howard can come get me if he thinks I'm wrong. You've lost whatever drive you've ever had, old man. You are you are <laughs> you are washed up, sir. If you don't want to take it. First of all, like who wouldn't want to just be in control of their own destiny, particularly in the at the end of their career? You telling me Johnny Carson wouldn't have wanted to take the Tonight Show independent if he could have if this modern landscape wouldn't have, would have been available to him, or Jay, honest to God, go back to when they took the Tonight Show away and gave it to to Conan the first time, right. If this would have existed, Jay Leno just would have started his own thing online and that would have been the end of it. And and NBC would have been out of luck and Jay would have been a much richer man today than he is. My point is, it is absurd to think about... And because it, it's not just subscription revenue, right? Jay, he could take, he could convert, as they say, if he could convert just four or five percent of XM listeners, which I guarantee you he could, because he would mm-hmm. be selling them a cheaper package, first of all, and right. all they're paying for XM for is or Sirius is is for Stern, uh, start real Stern fans. That's all they're listening to. If he could convert just a handful of those to actual subscriptions straight to him, you're talking about hundreds, maybe two hundred million dollars, maybe two hundred and forty is the estimate here. I think. Per year, never mind the fact that on the back of that, you could then dump a subset of your content for free online through your channels with, with advertising. Ads.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, with ads
0: that you control, Howard. Oh my God.
1: I, it, it's unbelievable that Howard hasn't figured this out yet or that somebody think, intelligent you know, does, enough I'm saying, hasn't sat down with Howard and been like, look, him? this is the money. You're ridiculous. <laughs> I've told him he's a lazy old man. That's my I'm calling it.
0: He's a lazy old man. But the thing is is he's Howard Stern. He doesn't even need to be late. like yeah, he can he be lazy. He would not have to do anything different. He differently. wouldn't have to do that's, the thing. Right? He wouldn't so have to do he, it. His apparatus would take care of it. It's like it's so absurd. So And, 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 so and so the just, question Go ahead. My my question is why is it Joe doing that? Does Joe not have a subscription service already? I just assumed that he had like I think Joe he does. Rogan pro on, on Libsyn or something. And you could get his app and get ad free versions or something like that. Does I, not? Believe,
1: I believe Joe does, but again, Joe does a lot of live reads. So a lot of his commercials are, are not dynamically inserted. And so if he's doing a live read, it's part of his content and it goes into that to that point, Dave Jackson released a, a Facebook post just recently about Conan uh, and mentioned that, you know, 25% of Conan's content is ads and you know I looked at it and it's like he's got like the first two minutes of the show is ads that's no bueno by the way you can't have two minutes of ads right at the beginning of a show I don't care who you are that's just not good he's got a six minute ad break at about tw- at about the 20 minute mark of his content and I say if it's a If it's a live read, if he's putting his personality into it and he's joking and he's connecting the advertising to the content of the show, I don't necessarily have a problem with six minutes of ad content there either, as long as it's a part of the show. And then he says he's got like two minutes of credits and ads at the end of the show. The dirtiest little secret in podcasting that for whatever reason continues to exist to this day. No one listens to that Zero people listen to that. You can see all the stats. You can see them everywhere. Nobody listens to the end of a podcast, and they're certainly not listening to the ads at the end of the podcast. Until the sponsors finally brighten up and stop paying us for those, you should load the heck out of the back end of your podcast. Throw six ads at the end of a podcast for crying out loud. You know? 12
0: minutes of advertising after I say goodbye.
1: (laughs) I mean, quite seriously. And then, and then. If you really wanted to be sneaky about it, throw in a blooper or or some sort of secret call to action, like maybe a contest. Like, hey, if you're listening to this and you email us at XYZ, uh, we're going to give you 2500 bucks. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine the next show you come on and be like, hey, congratulations to Corey. You won the secret contest. You emailed us at the right time. And I was just like, man. I don't have a, quite honestly, I don't have a problem with Conan uh, having that many ads in his show. It's just the two minutes at the front, he's got to change that. He's definitely got to do like a one minute teaser and only have one minute worth of ads at the beginning of a show. Having two minutes is just that's you're just being greedy
0: i I have never turned off a television show or a sporting event because of advertising, Jay. Mm. And I have never stopped listening to a podcast because of advertising either. The skip button is right there. I have a TiVo in my house, and I watch even live sporting events. I try to watch them about five minutes behind because I do like to skip ads sometimes. So that's okay. That's what the skip button's for. But you deciding to use advertising to monetize your content is not ever going to hurt my feelings. It's just not. I don't understand that.
1: And if you don't believe me, then believe NPR, who just reported they're going to earn more money from podcasting in 2020 than they will from radio. Let me repeat. NPR says that they will earn more from podcasting in 2020 than they will from the radio. James Cridlin at Pod News adds, it's not quite as easy as that, of course, since NPR is rather more in control of its podcast than its content on member stations. But even so, it's quite a claim. And Nick Kwa in Hot Pod, this week's Hot Pod, puts it even more perspective. Should the projections pan out? That would mean it took NPR about half a decade, that's five years for those of you who don't do math, to reach this point following the early 2015 launch of Invisibilia, arguably the start of the organization's modern podcasting era. Five years, they're making more profit from podcasting than they are from radio. And if you're in commercial radio and you don't see that, you're in some deep, deep trouble. I the one caveat I'll add for standard radio
0: versus what NPR has done here is NPR was not nearly as monetized as standard radio. Also, public true. radio has always been under monetized because of the nature of public radio, the way that they build their sponsorships and their their um, yeah their monetization platform. Yeah, their underwriting and everything. It's just it's just not the same. Uh, it's just not the same business model. But still. It shows you the opportunity. The, what I always talk to my local radio station about, my the, my former general manager here, the guy that I love so much, taught me everything about the radio business and so much about voice work in general. He and I talk all the time about that FM Tower is very finite, right? There's only so much reach that you can ever have locally. You can address the world once you get online, uh, and and you can do it for – a very very small outlet, pennies
1: on the, the dollar term. compared to the to the big FM transmitter. Hey Jay, it's almost like you should start where you are,
0: use Ooh. what you have, and Whoa. do what you can.
1: Joel, you yeah. blew my mind.
0: <laughs> um, uh, Jay, where can people find you if particularly if they're a college uh, basketball or football podcaster? Uh, where can
1: they find you online? At the Real Pod Vader on Twitter, Facebook. Uh yeah you can still shoot me a shoot me a DM on Facebook uh I'm I believe I'm at the real pod vader on Facebook too but they're Search Pod Vader, you'll find me, or just send me an email, nextfanup at gmail.com. That's an easy way to get in touch with me.
0: That's perfect. Uh, and uh, as you heard in this episode, we are now taking direct sponsorship. Uh, incidentally, those ad rates went down. We, we haven't been full. We've sold a couple of ads for each episode, not all three slots. So they went down this last Monday. Every Monday, those rates change, and a new opportunity goes up. So check it out. All uh, Excuse me. It's sponsor dot always listening com. that's the link and that's in the show notes as well you can find me at pro podcasting com or on twitter at the rogues life until next week we've been your hosts i'm joel
1: i'm jay show me the money i want some of that mpr <laughs> money
0: and we are always listening Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than a hundred podcast reviews, at AlwaysListeningPod.com in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit ProPodcastingServices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn.